Welcome to Functional Design and Closure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. That's right. We love using closure, and we would love to help you love using closure if you aren't already. But <laughs> if you are new to this podcast, we recommend you hop on back to episode one and start there. And if you've been listening for a while, we are in the middle of our Sportify series, which we started in episode 101. And of course, at Sportify, our mission is to flood social media with sports highlights, Sportify <laughs> everything. And uh, us uh, developers here, we're trying to automate this process of generating these sports highlights. And so last time we started the process of building up our end-to-end solution to do that. Yeah, I mean, in all the in all the best ways, uh, we like to do build tracer bullets, and so this is not our first trip around the uh, around the the block. This is our second version of the code. Our first version began back when we were fiddling just to learn how uh, the how the world worked, so to speak. So we're driving it all with with the REPL, still driving it, still learning a lot, but we're learning higher level things now. And uh, so we're going through the basic process of creating a highlight reel. Yeah. And so one of the big points here is that this is very incremental. We are rapidly accreting functionality, right? First, we're starting these little silos, each step in the process, and then we're bringing those silos together, but we're still rapidly bringing this together with this very interactive, REPL-driven way of getting things done. Yep. And so we have a few steps we need to get this process through. We need to take the team names and the date and then go look up the game info for that and then take that game information to go look up the media, the media files, the media assets in the MAM, the media asset manager. And then that's going to tell us what paths to download out of our uh, object storage, our S3 storage, so to speak. So we got to download mm -hmm. all those files in the local file system. And then we're going to have to stitch all these things together in the right order to make the highlight reel. And so that's, that's the overall process that we're working on. And so last time we got all the way through taking that input, getting the game info, getting the media asset metadata. And so now, now we know the paths. Now, now we know the keys, so to speak, uh, to go pull out of the storage and and uh well well at the end we, we we had assembled a highlight reel right we had basically gone the whole way right so we're done right we've we have we have made one highlight reel via automation so there's no real reason to keep on going right this should be the end of the series <laughs> i i think boss man has a different idea <laughs> for us he wants us to uh, make lots and lots and lots of these now right i think but but it that would just be a matter of running this function again and again i mean we can do that and and get coffee all day <laughs> there's there, there's no reason why we would ever need to uh to 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 modify this code ever again right because everything will go smoothly <laughs> oh <laughs> right right I, I'm sure nobody will ever change their mind on functionality. And nobody will ever uh, make a mistake in any of the other systems either. 
the 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 situation will, will might revolve around us. Like that's one of the things that I think is yes, software is almost never done. Uh, but a lot of times, even if the requirements haven't changed, a lot of things that you come to rely on, like that super reliable object store in the sky, even that has days has bad days. And so you you always have to deal with uh the the uncertainties of uh, through time not just the uncertainties of requirements yeah and so one of the great things about this interactive repl driven way is we are exploring the real world we're not exploring somebody's documentation or somebody's article or somebody's representation of the real world we're we're actually mm-hmm. interacting with these real systems and we're looking at real data and we're figuring out the real situation, not uh, the situation that somebody summarized uh, for us, conveniently leaving out all of the edge cases. <laughs> <laughs> or that worked one time. Like, that's the thing is, it, just because it worked once doesn't mean it'll work again. Right. And so we're building up actual code to handle this. And so now we're at this step where we need to go download these files into the file system. And so... So how are we going to do this? What what? How have you done this before when you needed to grab files out of S3? Well, I think uh, I would. I, I always like to rely back or refer back to code that I've written before because generally speaking, that code works already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no need yes. to build something again. Uh, so in that, I mean, what I what I you know usually I have fiddled something. So in this case, we fiddled in the in the past with the S3 function to grab things from, well, a function to grab things from S3. So I would just continue to use that function. Yeah, it's it's you know that because we just need to we need to run it again, but we 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 now know different and new keys we need to fetch, and so I would just right. start going there. Probably figure out some place on the file system that's my like working directory. That's always some place you got to. You're not just downloading something from somewhere; you're downloading it to somewhere. So you got to put it somewhere. Yeah. How do you? So how do you know where that somewhere is? <laughs> I guess. No, sorry. I, I usually this comes in via configuration. Uh early in development, I always just put it in my local project's working directory because that's easy. Uh but over time, I I've I find that like if I want this to run for real, I have to put it in some place that has more disk space. <laughs> and so inevitably yes. that en- ends up being something I've got to configure. Some kind of block storage, right? Not object storage, block storage, because it's got to look like an actual file system so our Java process can interact with it. Well, ultimately, we're going to get to FFmpeg, which needs files, not objects in the sky. Not URLs. Right, right. And so we want to be able to download this. And so, like you said, we already have the most crucial piece, the function that can grab this out of S3 already from our REPL exploration as we were fiddling. And so we can take, so for the purposes of discussion in this, in this case, let's assume the media asset manager gave us a list of all the media, right? We queried it and it gave, based on the tag and the, the mm-hmm. tag information, you know, by team and event date and the, the game ID. And, and so it just gave us uh, this sequence of JSON documents, which we then parsed and found the keys. And so now we can just do seek through this sequence. This is very imperative, right? This tracer bullet is very imperative. We're we're trying to not make something that is the ideal version for production, 
we are trying to get a fully automated solution end to end to understand all the specific situations we got to handle. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we can do seek through this. And for each of the keys, uh, see, it's like so misleading. I'm going to call them paths, even though S3 calls them keys. <laughs> right. Because that's what they logically are to us as programmers is that they're, they're file paths in some bucket, you know. Yes, yes. We're not talking about the key in the map, right? So we'll just say the paths. Each of these paths in the S3 bucket, we're going to download them and download them into the local file system. And we'll know what that is because configuration brought it in. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of ways to handle configuration. And so we just do seek. And there we go. We go through the list and we download it and uh, everything's fine, right? Well, then, and, and just to tag on that a little bit, the nice thing about a do seek is you could have a little printlin before each each call to the S3 function, so you kind of see have a little bit of a progress indication of how how your how your system is doing. So it's not just ever forever hanging there; it actually gives you some indication that it's working on something. Right. But as you do that, you know, there's you know, say the first time you run it, you get hey, you get all five files or all ten files, and then the next time you run it, you get you know ten files. But then one time there's an exception. Exception gets thrown. You know, some some were down because you know we're, we're we're calling a function that we wrote to to download, but that fun, that S three function is built on a tower of abstractions. You know, yes. and so one of those abstractions involves the network, and 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 other ones involve other companies. And there's a variety of reasons why those might fail, uh, <laughs> whether for geopolitical or network based reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And so we get a good old fashioned Java IO exception or some descendant of it in the exception class hierarchy, right? Gets thrown. But I would say that's okay, right? The exception's going to blow up and it's going to blow the call stack. And because I I don't know, what are we supposed to do? We need all the files. This is a semi automated process. We're not, <laughs> this isn't production yet. We just do seek. Okay. So the exception blows a call stack. So r- run it again. You know, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of failures like that are intermittent failures. And so I think just running it again, you know, being the, the human retry loop, I think is, a completely valid solution at this point in time. It's actually a valid solution for a lot of things that people try to make fancy retry code work for in bigger systems. And so I, I like the idea of, you know, ah, well, and the reason, the reason why it's, it's valid to use the human retry at this point in time is because every time a human has to retry and the human being us, of course, is that we learn every time where there might be exceptions. And so we're not so much learning about how to use systems, but we're also learning how to how those systems fail. And I think that's as important information as how they should be. How, uh, what the what the what the what do they call it the the happy path? You know, the happy yes. path is a, is a fun one to learn, but the the not happy path is the one that will teach us more about how it's going to behave when we're not at the computer. And and t- really, we, we don't want to be at the computer all the time. So that's more important learning, I think. Right. So over time, we're going to accrete more and more reliability in the system by handling more and more of these things. But as you said, we are trying to just get a clear path from the beginning to the end of the process. 
without mm-hmm. necessarily doing a ton of work to handle some of the exceptions right now, right? But but right. we don't we want the process to continue wrongly. We want the right. process to just stop, right? Oh, right. didn't and work. We, okay. Right. We could try pre-handling it by putting a bunch of try-catches on different places. But if you do that before you experience those errors, you're 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 so to speak capping the amount of learning that you're able to do. You you want you want you want to be not surprised, but you want to be pleasantly you know <laughs> happy to see those exceptions because you're like oh now I know where at what level to put that that try catch or that you know retry or whatever. Yeah, and you can add some comments like oh I this through this or this through that mm-hmm. you know if you if you want. And so then we, if we're in the middle of downloading 10 files and after about four files, it dies and throws an exception because for some reason that particular gateway into S3 was just having a bad moment. You know, it was in the mm-hmm. middle of the Kubernetes uh, switch over or something. <laughs> uh, well, we go to run it again and all of a sudden we discover, ah, we have these files that are lying around, right? It, there's a file there already. Well, what do I do? Right? <laughs> like, like, did it download or not? Or, you know, am I going to get an error? We're, we're somehow, we're in the middle of this. So this is, this is our first true intermediate artifact of this process because everything right. we've been doing so far is in memory. And so, you know, you restart your process, whatever, it, it goes away. And I guess you could argue that because when we have fiddle files, we def out results and we're experimenting with them. But but those are really clear and intentional intermediate artifacts that we're making by hand for the purposes of experimentation. But this is one where we ran it and there's some leftover stuff. So so we need to resolve this in some way. And 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 whenever there's leftover stuff that you're or intermediate external artifacts. <laughs> you don't know what state they're in. Like there's a file there that says clip1.mp4 or whatever, but is it the whole file? Is it a zero byte file? Like what what state is it in? That's the problem is, is not so much that the file exists, is the file is that, how do we know if that file is what we wanted to grab from the object storage? Right. And so, I mean, and- one solution is we could just delete all the files when we start up, delete all the temporary files. Like that's one real severe way of doing it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because well, deleting the temporary files is a return to known state. It's it's a pretty harsh uh, yes. return to known state, but <laughs> it is a return to known state, the initial state of having nothing, you know, and that is a sound state to return to. But it's also kind of contrary to the whole principles here of this rapid iteration of accreting functionality, right? We want to. And and so if we have to download a file again that successfully downloaded, well, mm-hmm. that's kind of annoying. If we delete a file that wasn't successful and download it again, okay, that's less annoying, right? The most sophisticated is you know some kind of like reconciliation and and figuring out like exactly where it left off and picking up and checksumming, right? And so the 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 return to known state can become more and more and more sophisticated. But the point is you start with the really simple one mm-hmm. and then that's the delete the file and do it again. Right. But in this case, okay, maybe it's a little bit too simple. Maybe we want to keep some of these that succeeded. So, so now what do we do? How do we do that? 
it's hard to think about what you could, oh i mean I, what you could do is you could download it to some temporary file name and then use cuz when you rename a file at the file system level i'm pretty sure that's a an atomic thing yeah it's you either it either happens or it doesn't so to speak and so what we could do is we could download to a temporary file and move it on completion so if a file is there we can trust that it was fully downloaded um that's right. one way of doing it I think maybe another way is there might be some checksums that S3 provides to us that we could use to checksum the file. I mean, you could check it, but that kind of gets more towards sophisticated. Like existence or not, I think is an easier step up. Right. In the in the progression of um, carefulness or certainty, maybe, you you trust that if the IO operation returned from blocking, you know, the download operation returned from blocking without throwing an exception, it made it. To the file system and then you move it into the real file name so you download to attempt and you move it the next level of certainty is you can use the checksum provided by the s3 variant and so you download it to a file and then you checksum that file and then once that checks out then you move it over to the real file name so download to temp checksum move right so now you have a little more certainty right depending on how far you want to go But usually, the simple solution of downloading to a temp and pivoting it is very reliable in in my own circumstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've definitely used that. It does come across like it's it's a relatively straightforward thing to do. Um, I mean, you're pairing a couple different I/O operations in the same function with a little bit of logic, but it's it's pretty simple, and it it logically is one operation to download. You know, right. And so you, then you can just leave these temp files, you know, orphaned in the file system. If you asked Java to make you a temp file, it usually makes it off in the temp area, which you know, reboot Linux or Windows or whatever will clean it up. But here's where maybe it's worth catching that exception or having a finally block. I've done this before where you have a finally block where mm. it, you delete the temp file if, it's, if it exists. Right. So in your main try section, you have the happy path. You have the download. Let's just say for the purposes of, you know, we download and then we move it into place. So we create. So so outside the try catch, you create temp file. Right. Then you go into the try. Then you download to the temp file and then you move to the real file and then you're done with the, the try. But if something went wrong, an exception will be thrown. Well, we're not in the business of handling all that right now. We want the exception to fly and stop the world. No problem. Mm-hmm. But we can make a finally block. And in the finally block, we ha- still have a reference to the temp file name. So we go, if it exists, delete it. If it doesn't exist, great. Because it's going to run on either condition, on exception or not. And so that that allows you to reap those temp files um, just in case something went wrong without really messing with the exception because we do want the exception to fly to the top and stop the world right now. It's an interesting case of using a finally block without a catch. I think most of the time I've ever had a finally block, I've had a catch too. But And it feels a little weird to have just the finally, but it makes total sense in this case. Instead of catching it and then re-throwing it, might as well just let it fly and allow that that finally to take care of our cleanup. Yeah, if you go and look at with open, for example, in Clojure, you know, it does that. That's like the a very standard mm. Java idiom 
for resource management is to use the 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 cleanup, the closing, the whatever, you know, in the finally block because then it always works whether it's exception or not. Um, <laughs> but for temp files, because you're usually not in really in trouble since they have random file names, you're usually not like in a world of hurt if you don't delete them. Aside from right. filling up your hard drive between reboots, <laughs> it's pretty easy <laughs> to just sort of let it go, right? Which is okay at this stage of the game, right? Because the point of this stage of the game is, is how is this process going to work? What can go wrong, right? Like IO, IO in my experience is the greatest source of failures <laughs> when you're automating these processes. It's It's usually not your pure logic that, is all the grief, right? It's interacting with that real world out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody asked your program if they could have permission for the power <laughs> to go out, right? Like, would it be okay <laughs> right. if uh, if I disconnect right now? Would it program? Are, are, you, are you in a good state? Are you ready for me to disconnect? You know, <laughs> it just disconnects. The power just goes off, you know? Uh, and, and you yeah. have to deal with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would be hilarious if there actually was an implementation of asking permission to <laughs> to have a failure. <laughs> it would not be exceptional then, right? <clears throat> right. And so then as you're running this process by hand, you're running it by hand, you're getting a sense because now, you know, now we got to do the 10, 10 of these highlight reels a day. I mean, it's really sort of turned into almost our main job, right? Because... <laughs> Because the boss man is just like, oh, make some more, make some more. And so every time we run it, we get a sense of how reliable is this process intrinsically. Because if it comes grinding to a halt, you know, we we fire it up. Then we go and you know, we're working on our closure code and our other things. And then we go back and check it and like, oh, it finished. Oh, it didn't finish. Right. We're, we're going to find out how reliable this is and and where it's worth spending effort to perhaps auto recover Mm -hmm. Um, because if if it rarely ever fails for this kind of process right that we're not flying an airplane thankfully (laughs) we can just run it again so let's let's reduce that time between runs right let's reduce the recovery time as opposed to trying to avoid the need to recover because that can get really sophisticated but we can we can convince ourselves that that work is needed because now we have all this evidence of failure over time, right? And so, so once again, we're growing functionality kind of on demand as needed. It's very lean. Yeah, and to, and to say that kind of a different way, we're, we're building the right software just in time. We're, we're, doing, we're not spending a whole lot of time on the retries when maybe it only retries, you need to do the retries one every 10th, Highlight reel. It's like, oh, it's that's something to be noteworthy of. But if it happened every single time, it's like, fine, okay, then it'll be worth investing in a retry logic that it's not me, and 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 it would make the process more reliable. And so, right, it's not not only are you iterating quickly, so it's not a long time between each change and each rerun, at least outside of the I/O, but you're also building the right thing every time. And right, and, and the, so in. It, in, in, in the realm of the world, not in the realm of what you think the world is going to do. It's the actual world is there. 
Right. This is not a bike shedding exercise where we all get to make up yes. what if scenarios and try to talk each other into them. We can say, well, the last 10 times I ran it, the last 20 times I ran it, it failed on one of the downloads six times and be like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I should do a retry. And then when I ran it again, it worked. So then in this case, we can wrap this function we could go, okay, I, I want it to retry. Now Now that we made retries less expensive with uh, download cache, you know, pivot in logic, then now we can decide to catch the specific exception, right? Check to see if this is like what we think looks like an intermittent failure. We could thread sleep for a while if we want, and we can do that up to five times, right? And we could invest a lit, like a really simple retry process so mm-hmm. that we don't have to come and keep, you know, babysitting this process if it keeps failing out too often. But this is like the way it is. This is this is the situation we're in. This is the real world. It's <laughs> it's not something that could happen or maybe happen or what if happened. And I think an important thing to point out is we are we ha- we've we've been talking about retrying this highlight creation or just the download uh, several times. And so we're assuming that the first half of our process, which is go query the database and go query the MAM and go like all that in memory stuff that we talked about, that's all code that is working really well. So we're not having to, to solve that problem again, or not, not necessarily have to solve that problem, but we're not, we're not fixing bugs in that, in that uh, area of the code. We're finding all of our bugs when it relates to touching the outside world. Like IO is the source of pain in in our lives. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a source of actually making useful software. So it's 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 worth it. But I mean, basically, we've talked the entire episode about what what we can do when when we can when we how we can handle you know exceptional things happening in the download process. Like that's it. Like that's all the pain. <laughs> Yes, yes. Just just dealing with that. And so so here in this the in the total process, right? We rebelled out all the pieces to figure them out. We're stitching these pieces together. It's been going pretty smoothly. Now we hit the IO issue. <laughs> right? And even if you're in a programming language like Haskell that tries to, you know, do proof systems around your logic for handling <laughs> IO, it still can't save you from the fact that IO is going to blow up on you, right? Like IO failures happen, right? So, so how your programming language, it forces you to deal with them, you know, varies. But in this case, we have closure. It lets us, and Java really, it lets us let kind of let the exceptions fly so we can keep proving out the happy path and, and then just solve the problems that are really getting in our way of making progress today as we're mapping this out and taking some good notes on the stuff we may need to do to make it more reliable if we need to start to do this at a greater scale or a greater capacity. Yeah. And I think as you start to think about how you can write some of those more complicated retry systems and that kind of thing, I think because right now it's our the code is very imperative. It's very where we are right now in the code, like like as far as the stack pointer <laughs> is what is the context of, of what, what, what the next step is. And so if you want to retry, it's very much like, oh, then retry. Well, what happened if you re- need to retry the retry and then they need to retry the retry? Like there's, 
there's only so far you can go with this with this with this imperative uh, assembling of the of the application, and and hopefully we can get more towards something where we can understand what what situations we need to do in in a more uh, uh, more functional way, like a more data driven way, so we know what we need to do instead of just what have we done immediately before us. Right. We're letting the reality of our situation dictate where we apply our effort. But if it becomes Mm -hmm. clear that we need a lot more sophisticated management of this process, well, then that that will be an interesting area to explore (laughs) in in the future. (laughs) There is hope. I promise. (laughs) But we're still in the middle of getting this tracer bullet working. Right. We got the media downloaded. We still have learning to do. Right. There's still there's still some steps in front of us because uh, clips don't make reels, right? <laughs> Not yet, at least. <laughs> so I think uh, we're gonna have to come back to this again next week. Yes, yes. Well, that was exceptionally fun. We <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, hope you all enjoyed us talking about this uh, problem, and uh, we will co- we will talk again next week. I promise. We will have many more episodes about this. And we will get to a place where where uh, where there's even more fun. Uh, even though all the iterations that we, you know, the iterating and the, the the fast feedback, like hopefully along this way, you can sense that we're still having fun, even though we're encountering errors. Like that's the, both of those things can happen at the same time. Yeah, anyway. it's just delightful to just see progress, right? You're just always feeling yes. the progress, the wind at your back. That that is a big goal here. Just feel the wind at your back. So if you've uh, if you've encountered this kind of a problem and you've enjoyed this this fast feedback and that kind of thing, please let us know. Uh, we obviously we've encountered it a bunch, but uh, we we're interested in hearing what you have have done. And so send us a tweet at closure design on x.com or an email to feedback at closure design club. And or well, the best place to come is obviously the closure design dash podcast channel on the closure and Slack where we can chat at each other. Uh, more real time and uh, let us know what you got. Yeah. Lots of great discussion in the Slack. So definitely come join us there. So in the meantime, if you are slacking at work, you can find our show (laughs) notes and past episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. All right, then we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 